sometimes I'm just going to give you a sheet with just the connectors. It's really important, the connectors. Can you just have a look at these? Um, can you just get them in your hands, show them to me, you've got them. Just ha- We're looking at the second sentence there, which says, knowing that Jesus makes me whole and sends me as a co-heir of the kingdom of God. So that's what we're talking about today. And, um, you know, some days I... I realise, and it suddenly dawns on me, and I feel disgusted with myself when this comes to me. I think, Dave, the way you're living your life, it's all about you. And it's about what's important to you. It's about how important you are. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, but you know, the, this week I was just like reading the word and praying. And just in the presence of God, I started to cry. Uh, and, and physical tears filled my eyes. Just, I thought, it, it just felt disgusted with how selfish I was, how self-centred I was in the presence of a God who is so generous and giving out of himself. And and sometimes just my own self-centredness, my own selfishness can overwhelm me. Uh, And I can feel like a total failure before God. Uh, Yet, yet, yet I can come to you today And say to you that I know that I know that God loves Dave Emmett. And I don't know where you are or what you find about yourselves when you're really honest with God. But maybe you're the same as me. But I I, I want you to be able to come to a place where you can say, I know that I know that I know that God loves. And put your name there. You see, it says Kofo. Richard two weeks ago talked about the, you know, the prodigal son and the father's embrace for a son who just didn't deserve any of the father's love. And Kofo last week talked about the reason why God loved the people of Israel and quoted those verses from Deuteronomy where he said, it's not because of this, it's not because of that, it's just because he loves you. Uh, and, you know, I, I look at my own life and I say, God, I've not done things that would cause you to love me. Yet I know, down deep in my heart, I know that God loves Dave Emmett. I know. And it's not because of a track record. It's not because I've done so much or or, or this or that. And I can't point at anything and say, that's the reason why. It's simply because he loves me. Uh, I want to ask you, You see, this isn't about you, it isn't about me, it's about God. A God who is love. And can you say today that God loves you? Can you say, I'm going to say, I'm going to declare it, because it helps sometimes to speak out something. So I'm going to say God loves David, and I want you to join in, and I don't want you to say my name, I want you to say your name. All right, so should we just say, together, as individuals, we're going to say something about ourselves Can you say it? Come on, let's say it together then. God loves... Let's say it again. God loves... What about saying God likes? Let's try that. God likes... I hope by the end of our time together that you can say it with even more confidence as we look into the scripture because it's the word of God... That gives me that assurance that I am loved. It is not my track record. I keep repeating that. It's not because I've 
uh, being, you know, a missionary in Congo or a full-time church. It, it, nothing, that is nothing. It's simply because of who God is that I can say that God loves me. Because God is love. And this morning, can you understand that you are loved? Um, it's impossible. It's impossible. Kofo preaching last Sunday, Richard two Sundays ago, just about the love of God for us, who are our identity as we're loved sons and daughters. It's impossible to come to King's Church and, 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 and King's Church Central to our meetings. It's impossible to come to our meetings and not be encouraged. Because the message we bring is not one of condemnation. The message we bring is one to build us up, not to tear us down. And things will be put right in your life as you realise more and more who you are and you get a revelation, there's an understanding that grows in your mind about who you are so your life will come into line with your identity and your day-to-day living. You see, I, 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 I want us to see today that God is good, but I want us to see he's even better than we think he is. Um, So Jesus came to earth to show us what this loving and gracious good father is like and he taught us to pray a prayer to this perfect and loving father. And the prayer goes, our father, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is and give us this day. And it goes all the way right through to, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father, yours is the kingdom. Our Father, your kingdom come. Yours is the kingdom. Do you understand it? To be accepted by this Father God who is so full of love, so kind, so compassionate, to be accepted by Him is to be brought into not any old family, but it's to be brought into a royal family where you're not just sat on the sofa watching TV thinking, isn't this nice, I'm no longer an orphan, but you're brought into a royal family where you are a prince or a princess, where royalty is in your blood, where it's in your veins. You are a royal people. Uh, It means that if you stop talking about family, you don't talk about the kingdom. If you're not talking about the kingdom, you're not talking about family. We're brought into a royal family. Uh, And we're all about the kingdom that belongs to our Father because we're princes and princesses. We're not just anybody. We're princes and princesses in a royal family. Uh, Imagine being in the royal family in the UK. Uh, you know, what would that be like? You know, have you, you, have you, there's loads of TV series coming out. And anybody watch Crown on Netflix? And, um, and Philip has got me to watch it with her, because I would never choose to watch it, but I've watched it. And actually, I've been in, it sort of made me begin to understand what the royal family, living in the royal family. And what you notice, it's, it's all about, you watch Victoria, or, you know, it, it's all about the kingdom. When you're born into a royal family, Everybody's grooming you, ready to become the, because you're heirs to the throne. 
And, and, and no matter where you are, the oldest obviously is the, is, is the heir, but we're all heirs to the throne. I'm second in line to the throne. I'm third in line to the throne. And, and you watch it and you see it. And you see, the talk is about the kingdom. And you watch the one crown and you begin to see Queen Elizabeth. It's the kingdom that drives it. It's about the United Kingdom. It's about becoming the monarch for the United Kingdom. I want to say to you, you don't have to live in Buckingham Palace to be part of a greater family than the one Prince Charles belongs to. You don't have to be the Queen. You don't have to be Victoria. Can I say Meghan Markle is not joining the best royal family that she can. The best royal family that you can join is the one you joined when you said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. And you died to the old life and you were raised to new life. That is the best royal family that you can be in. You see, we've been brought into that family. Our good father has a wonderful kingdom. You get different sorts of earthly monarchs, don't you? And you look through history and you can see some are despots and some are benevolent. Some hold on to power. Some are eager to empower others. The best royal family that you can be in is the family where our Father God is in charge and has absolute authority, total control of his kingdom. And yet this Father, this good God, what do we read in Matthew 28, 18? He handed over all authority to the Son, Jesus. Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 19, we read the very next verse that this Jesus who's received all authority from his Father then says to us, brothers and sisters in the kingdom, he says, go. And he sends us and says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this same Jesus, our big brother, says to us, I'm not just sending you like the military being sent on a mission. I'm actually going to go with you because the very next verse, Matthew 28, 20 says, Lo, I am with you. You're getting this. You're in a royal family. You're princes and princesses. And Jesus, our big brother, says he's sending us out. And what's going to happen? We're on a mission with him. And the kingdoms of this world, Revelation 11 verse 5 says, the kingdoms of this world are one day going to become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And we're going to see the glory of the Lord filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. And then what's going to happen is 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 24 says, then the end will come when he, Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. Um, Let's be clear, in case you're wondering, not everybody who is born on this planet is born into this royal family. Uh, only, you, see, you, you have to go through a process to be born into this royal family because you can feel, well, I'm not discounted. You should know the family I was born. You should know the family I was born into. I was born December the 16th, 1957, in the middle of Africa on a kitchen table in a mud brick construction. And uh, my parents at that time, they were relying, literally relying on angels to bring them food, had no food. I was not born into an earthly royal family. There was not much money about at all. But when I was just four years old, 
I cried out to God in a childlike way, in a very unsophisticated, uncomplicated way. I cried out to God that he would come into my life and that he would save me. And from that moment on, I was born again into a royal family. And I've been a prince ever since. I might not have lived as one, but that's been my identity. Uh, I want to say, what's your story? Everyone must have a story to be in this royal family. You can't just say, well, I was born into a Christian. Nobody's born into it in their natural birth. There has to be this second birth, this regeneration, this being born again, born from above. You see, um, see, being born for a second time, you think, Dave, that's really complicated. Hey, you're not the only one to think that. A man called Nicodemus, a ruler of the Pharisees, one day came to Jesus by night. In John chapter 3, we read about it. And he talked to Jesus and Jesus began to say to him, this kingdom, this kingdom I'm talking about, you won't even see it, Nicodemus, unless you're born from above, unless you're born again. And Nicodemus says, What? How can I go into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus explained to him, it's not by flesh. No, it's, it's by the Spirit of God that you're born again. And those who are born again, born from above, the Greek word, it can be translated either way. It means both things, born from above, born again. Those who are born again enter a kingdom and that's where your identity changes. And it doesn't matter what your natural family background is like. You're suddenly royalty, you're princes and princesses in a royal family. Um, you see, it's, it's, it's by faith I say, you know, I renounce my first birth as what identifies me. And I say, it doesn't matter what nationality I am. It doesn't matter what sexual orientation I am. It doesn't matter what marital status I am. It doesn't matter what my social status is. When I'm born from above and born again, everything changes. And suddenly my identity is wrapped up in being a citizen of the kingdom of God. And not just a citizen, but a family member. And I say, our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And I'm in the kingdom. In fact, Colossians 1 verse 13, the writer there says, Paul writes there but that, that, that the Father has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, Colossians 1.13, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. And we're in this beautiful, beautiful family. Uh, you see, Jesus says in John 1.13, as many as received him, to them he gave power, to be, he gave a right to become children of God. Uh, that's your identity. Kingdom, family, family, kingdom. There's a family business for me to do in this kingdom where I'm a prince, a princess. Hebrews 2, just in case you think, well, why didn't David talk about Jesus being our big brother? Isn't that a bit, a bit irreverent? The Bible doesn't think so. Hebrews 2 verse 11 says this. It says about Jesus, he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Jesus isn't ashamed to say that about us. Uh, Romans 8, 29 says he's the firstborn meaning the most important, the phrase that means there. He's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Our Father in heaven, yours is the kingdom. You see, I want you to understand that being welcomed into this royal family, it's far more than just having your sins forgiven. Um, it's more than that. Uh, understand who you are. We're co-heirs of the kingdom. 
The grace of God to us is not merely unmerited favour in the sense of repeatedly having our sins forgiven. That would be wonderful, I know. But it's so much more than that. The grace of God to us is having the empowering presence of God, the Holy Spirit, living in us, enabling us to live a life within the kingdom as a prince, as a princess in this kingdom. You see, um, too many people just go as far as thinking they're sinners saved by grace and stop there. That is just the beginning It's just the foundation to build on. You're welcomed into a royal family. What does that make you? More than children. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verses 16 and 17. It says there, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, person of God, the Holy Spirit, bears witness, testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, here it comes, more than children, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. Stop and think a minute. Come Holy Spirit, bear witness with our spirits right now as to who we are. And for every person in this room, every one of us, Holy Spirit, come and just bear witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Say to the person next to you, you're an heir of God. And tell them you're a co-heir with Christ. See, do you understand for us to be able to say that when we used to be sinners, when we were born into this world as natural born sinners, there had to be a significant price paid. And 1 Peter 1 verse 18 and 19 tells us, Peter says that, he says, you were redeemed from your old way of life, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. It cost Jesus going to the cross and taking the punishment that we deserved so that we could be in this privileged position of being sons and daughters of God, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. An immense price has been paid for you. Princes, princesses. Football players, the transfer window's just finished. Um, You know, what happens if you spend a lot of money on a football player? Would you put him on the subs bench? It happens with some teams. At least Alexis Sanchez, everybody was there, weren't they? At Yeovil, watching him play. Do any of you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And then they were watching him play. Where where, where did he play next? Um, He says, looking because he's forgotten. But against Spurs, against Tottenham, that was it. And you think, wow, wasn't it fantastic? All that money that was spent on him. Actually, some analogies break down, so we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Um, But I want to say to you, all the members of this royal family have been purchased at a great price and and God will never put you on the subs bench. In fact, let's get this clear. In the kingdom of God, there is no subs bench. Your good father is not Jose Mourinho who puts you on the subs bench. There is no subs bench. Everybody gets to play. Everybody has a part to play in this kingdom plan and purpose. We're royalty and everyone is waiting on tiptoe to see what we're going to do next. That's how important you are. Um, It was around 20 years ago, I remember, 
It, well, uh, when the old BBC building was, was down the road, and um, I was just walking up, I'd come in on the bus, I was walking up, and then suddenly, you see these police suddenly zoom in, they whisk up these barriers and, and block the crowd that's walking along by the pavement. I was trying to get in here, I couldn't get past. They suddenly put up these barriers, and someone asked, what's happening, what's going on? And then the policeman lets the cat out of the bag, and he says, Prince Charles is coming to visit the BBC. And it was actually the first time after Lady Diana had been killed that he came uh, out in a public appearance. And so everybody's waiting. And for a few minutes, I was there waiting for Prince Charles to come. I'm not even a royalist. But there I am, waiting for him to come. And, and what did I find myself doing? Because there was a crowd there. There was a sense of expectancy in the air that was almost tangible. We're going to see the heir to the throne. We're going to see the person who will become the next king of the United Kingdom. We're all there. We're watching. I'm standing on tiptoe. I'm craning my neck to see. And then suddenly enough, whoosh, these police cars zoom in with blue lights flashing. Out gets Prince Charles. Some woman shouts out to him, we love you, Charles. Thank you, he says. And in he goes. And that was it. Uh, uh. But I tell you what, I got something of what it feels like for when you see an heir to the throne coming down the street. You look out for him. You want to see, what is he? What's he going to do? He just smiled and said, thank you, and moved on. Um, you know what? Imagine, can you imagine what it would be like to be Prince Charles? Everywhere you go, <gasps> we've seen him. We see, I mean... It must get a bit much after a bit, mustn't it? <gasps> people standing on tiptoe, people craning their necks. Imagine that's you. And you live like that all the time. People are always looking out. What are you going to do next? What's happening? It's an heir to the throne coming down the street. Maybe today you've arrived with a bad habit you can't break. And you feel bad about yourself. You're feeling condemned. Maybe you're in financial difficulty. Maybe there's an immigration issue that's troubling you. Maybe there's a work-related issue stressing you out and you're not even sleeping at night. It wakes you up. Maybe you're in pain. Whatever it is, you feel very inferior to Prince Charles. I want to say to you, don't feel that way. Even if you're not in any of those situations and you say, well, actually, Dave, I'm feeling fine at the moment. Everything's going well. I want to say to you, I want us to understand no earthly royal family is better than the family we are in. Where we can say, our Father, yours is the kingdom. Do you remember Moses? He was living as a prince of Egypt, rescued by Pharaoh's daughter from the River Nile, taken in, raised as a prince of Egypt, royal privileges galore, just growing up in that, in that, in that palace. But Hebrews 11 tells us this. It says in Hebrews 11, 24 to 26, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why, Moses? Why did you do that? Why choose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures and treasures of Egypt? Verse 26 tells us why. He considered the reproach of Christ a greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking forward to his reward. 
He saw something greater than the fleeting pleasures and treasures of Egypt and said, this is worth more to me than growing up in a royal household. I'll be mistreated with the people of God. I'll be treated like a slave rather than grow up in a palace because I see a better family. I see a better family to belong to. And Hebrews 12, 28 says, you know what, that royal family has that he was Moses it says was looking forward to Hebrews 12 he was receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken in the book of Haggai it talks about a prophetic word about God coming and shaking the earth and shaking the nations once more so that what cannot be shaken will remain I want to say to you today you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken the United Kingdom, the royal family has no right, no obligation to continue forever and ever. But the kingdom of God, there will be no end to the increase of his government and peace. And that's the kingdom you're in. That's where you're a prince, a princess. That's where you're in that family, a royal family member. Uh, you see, just want us to understand, we are massively significant members of this royal family. No, no substitutes bench. Don't you dare think I'm on the subs bench this Sunday or I'm on the subs bench, you know. No, there is no subs bench in the kingdom of God. Everybody plays. Everyone's a player. Um, you know, I want to say in your marriage, you're a significant player. In your family, in your street, in your workplace, in your place of study, on this planet. It's not a handful of people who are craning their necks behind some police barrier on Oxford Road who are looking to see this Son of God, this daughter of God be revealed. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 to 19. Let's read it. Look again at it. It says this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Then he says this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Do you get that? J.B. Phillips paraphrases that same verse, 8 verse 19. It says, the whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons and daughters of God coming into their own. Are you beginning to understand something of who you are as a prince of God, as a princess of God? It's not... Dave Emmett and a few old people waiting on Oxford Road. All of creation is waiting. You've seen the look on your dog's face, if you've got one, when you go to give a dog a bowl of food. <laughs> Expectation, waiting, longing. Yeah, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. They're going to give me the food soon. All of creation is like that, waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. I want to put it to you. The sea is waiting on tiptoe for someone to walk on it again. A son of God, just as the son did in Matthew 14. 
The poplar trees in my back garden are waiting for a son, a daughter of God to be revealed that says, just as David did in 2 Samuel, I want to make a noise that a son or daughter of God can hear something prophetically being spoken to them through the tops, the wind blowing through the tops of the trees. It's time you can do it. The sun and moon are waiting for standing on tiptoe, just waiting for someone to say, stop. I'm doing a bit of kingdom business just like Joshua did uh, back in Joshua chapter 10. Let me finish this kingdom work. I'm just waiting for someone to speak to me like that. The sea is waiting for a a prince or a princess of God to, to divide it just as Moses did so that the Israelites could walk through on dry land. The rock is waiting on tiptoe for a son or daughter of God to bring water to the thirsty by striking the rock just as Moses did. Bitter water, polluted streams are waiting for a son of God to throw something of a log, a stick onto the water so that bitter waters could be made sweet. The clouds waiting on tiptoe where there's been a drought for three and a half years for someone like Elijah. And if you think this all sounds far-fetched, James chapter 5 says, Elijah was a man just like us, but waiting for a son of God in a drought-stricken area to say, rain, and for rain to come after three and a half years drought. All of creation is waiting. You see, There's so much has gone wrong with creation. Romans 8.21 says it's in the bondage to decay. But the fact that creation can see the sons and daughters of God being redeemed, it's a sign of hope for creation itself that it can be set free from the bondage of decay and know a glorious, the freedom of the glory of children of God. The freedom that we experience is something creation longs to know. There's coming a time when the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. There's not going to be fracking. There's not going to be plastic bags cluttering up the ocean. There's not going to be global warming. There's not going to be earthquakes and tsunamis and drought and flooding. There's going to come a glorious day when we're going to experience something of the glory of God. And it's going to come through significant princes and princesses. God has chosen. You're in the family. You're in the kingdom. There's something for you to do. No substitutes, Bench. And when that day happens, listen to what will happen. Psalm 96, 11 to 13 in the message. Let's hear it from sky. With earth joining in a huge round of applause from the sea. Let the wilderness turn cartwheels. Animals come dance. Put every tree of a forest in the choir. An extravaganza before God as he comes. As he comes to set everything right on earth. Set everything right. Treat everyone fair. How that's going to happen through an unveiling a revealing of the princes and princesses in the kingdom. That's you. That's me. We're significant. There's no, this is, this is worth so much. This is who we are. Uh, you see, it's going to happen. Um, we are the key players. We're the key players in this. Uh, you know, we're, Our Father, yours is the kingdom. Our Father has put us in charge. He's given authority to us. Uh, We are in charge. There's work for us to do. Don't panic, you're in charge. 
It's time to taste the real reason why you're on this planet on the 4th of February, 2018. Once you get a revelation, once we get a revelation, a deeper revelation of who we are and this family that we're in, kingdom, family, family, kingdom. If you stop talking about the family, you're not talking about the kingdom. It's just so intertwined that we have something to do, that we, we say, our Father, yours is a kingdom. Uh, let we tear down the lie that says we're just someone who've had their sins forgiven and I'm just a little member of this family, 560 billionth in line to the throne. No, we're all equal in this. Since the Spirit comes, gender doesn't matter, you know. I just want to say, you know, the women's empowerment. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes, and before the Holy Spirit comes, before the day of Pentecost, they always counted men and, uh, and never counted the women. After Pentecost came, men and women were counted. And there's something glorious. You can't discount yourself because you're a woman. You can't discount yourself because you haven't got much money. You can't discount yourself because, oh, you don't know what a sinful past I have. Because anyone who's in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You can't discount yourself because you're struggling at the moment with some sinful habit. You seek help within the family of God to get set free from that. And you can know what it is to be a prince, princess in the family of God. You see, there's glory waiting to be put upon us. In the old covenant, when the tabernacle of Moses was built, what happened? It was filled with the glory of God. When the temple was built, what happened? It was filled with the glory of God. And I want to say to you, if God did that with temples made out of, out of earthly bricks and curtains and stones, what will he do with these living stones where his Holy Spirit lives within? There's going to be glory on each one of us and glory on us collectively together. Our Father, yours is the kingdom. The glory of the latter house, Haggai chapter 2, will be greater than the former. Jesus is building his kingdom. Just want to finish by saying our Father has a kingdom. Perhaps the worship team could just come up. And there's a song that we sing sometimes. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into a family. Uh, your blood flows through my veins. I, we're going to sing that uh, and say, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am a prince of God. I'm co-heirs with Jesus. I, I, I'm an heir of God, co-heirs with Jesus. So can we sing that? And, uh, and just as we sing it, I just want to encourage us just to reach out our hands and just to receive something of heaven's revelation, princes and princesses of God. You know, if you're struggling today, Nicole's already said, just come and there's going to be a prayer banner afterwards. But if you're struggling, I, I, I just feel unworthy. Don't believe that lie. Just even, even before you prayed for, just even in the singing of the song, let the song minister to you about your identity. You're loved by God. You're someone special in his plan. If you've never been born again, hey, Today, you can be born again into this family. No reason why not whatsoever. You can be born again. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He won't reject you. Uh, he says, all that the Father has given, come to me. And I don't reject them. You can know what it is to be accepted in the family of God. This is a beautiful family to belong to. You know, for some of you, you're perhaps just beginning to grow and you're like little babies. You need to keep feeding the Word of God. 
just keep on receiving the truth of what God says about you. Amen. Let's sing this song then, shall we? Amen.